calling all overwhelmed coaching and service-based entrepreneurs. Are you struggling with working in and on all the things when it comes to your business? Delegating projects to your team, struggling with apps, tools, and programs that are supposed to make you feel more productive? You are not alone. We have created this podcast for you. Tune in each week to hear how you can create structure within your business, learn when it's time to hire a team, and be the fly on the wall for the episodes when we talk with other entrepreneurs who were in this same situation, but worked through it with the help of a team. Welcome to the Business Managers Podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Business Managers Podcast. We've got another great one for you today. Our guest is Nikki Nash, and if you don't know her, she is a podcast host, Hay House author, which we'll talk about later, and creator of the Genius Profit Society, a training and development program on a mission to equip entrepreneurs with the tools and resources they need to share and profit from their message. Nikki, welcome to the show. We're psyched to have you here. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. I'm so psyched to be here. I feel like we've already recorded an entire episode, but like we said, we didn't hit record. So (laughs) we were just chatting. Yeah. (laughs) Lost forever. But today we're going to talk about taking the, I guess, the stress and anxiety out of marketing. And as we have determined, making it a little bit more magical. I'm picturing like unicorns and stuff. Yeah. (laughs) I was like unicorns, rainbows, like maybe some sparklies or stars or something happening. Who's that lady with the puffy stickers from when we were little? uh... Lisa Frank. Yes, Lisa Frank. I had to yell it out. I was like, yes, Lisa Frank. Lisa Frank. (laughs) So let's let's jump into it. How did you get started and what what attracted you to marketing and how you want to kind of disrupt everything and make people a little bit more comfortable with marketing? Yeah, it's funny. I never really intended to be a marketer when I was back when you're supposed to know what you want to do with life in like high school and college. I wanted to be an actress. And then I decided I wanted to be a journalist and like be a TV anchor or something. And I've always loved writing. And so when I graduated college with like an English slash journalism degree, because our school didn't really have journalism. So we kind of made it up um, through the path of English. I remember calling Berkeley university, their admissions office, because I I was like, I'm going to go to Berkeley for grad school, but I know I have to work for a couple of years first. So I called them and I'm like, what kind of experience should I get? And the woman who I spoke to suggested I go to NYU's summer publishing Institute because they teach you like the editorial side and also the business side, but she's like, it's a way to network and meet people in the industry and get a job and blah, blah, blah. And then you can build out your portfolio of content that you've written or Hmm. interviews and stuff. So I go to this thing and lo and behold, I love the marketing people. And I'm like, I want to hang out with them. And next thing you know, I'm working at InStyle Magazine in the marketing department and then going to Travel and Leisure Magazine and like the business side, the sales and marketing department. And then I ended up in advertising and then I ended up um, going back to school, getting my MBA, interning at Coca-Cola, doing brand management for them, like working on like building the brands of their products. And then took a job at Intel in digital and content marketing. And I'm like, huh. And then I just ended up with this like 10 year career working for other folks in marketing before kind of setting out to work as an entrepreneur. But I did not intend to be a marketer. 
Right. But I found it a lot of fun. And I think the beauty is that when I entered marketing, content marketing and blogging and all of this was becoming like really, really hot. And I had a journalism and English degree. So I'm like, ah, I can create content. I got this. And uh, that's that's how I ended up in the wonderful world of marketing. Well, it's sort of like like you said, I mean, it's journalism, like sort of in a weird way. Right. So you you now you just have to be an actress and everything will be fine. Oh, yeah. I I mean, some days I do feel like I'm an actress. I'm like, what? Like, am I an actress right now? But yeah, that's on the the goal. I'm like, if I can just have a TV show, that'll really round out my vision as a child. (laughs) You'll be happy and (laughs) feel as though you've you've accomplished everything that you set forth to do. But marketing, like marketing is always changing, which is what I like about it. You know, so it's 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 never boring. That's for sure. So true. So true. So you have such a wide range of experience from like Coke to Intel to like magazines, like you have it all. It's sort of like this big brain of yours with all this different (laughs) marketing Intel, you know, no pun intended with Intel. (laughs) Right. No, but like it's magic. I know we've said this word already, but how do you wrap your brain around making it feel magical? Yeah. Because it feels hard. I, I totally get it. And, and, you know, to Kelly's point, it's always changing. And I think one of the things that's helped me is that I've always looked at marketing as building relationships with potential customers and consumers. And I think that if you realize at the core that marketing, especially now in today's day, more than ever, is just like relationship building. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, fun and easy. And you just think about, well, how would I build a relationship with somebody who I didn't meet in person yet? Oh, wait, I do that all the time. Mm. <laughs> I have so many we like internet friends that I don't even call internet friends because in my mind, we've already met in real life, right? right we're all just friends, really, right? We're all just friends. And so it's just thinking, okay, well, if I am an entrepreneur or a business owner and I have a product or service and I know who I think it would be really good for, how do I end up in their circle? How do I you know, get in front of them? How do I build a relationship with them and then recommend my product or service to them and make an offer and say, Hey, would you like to buy this for this amount? I think it would be great for you and genuinely mean it. And I think that when you're able to break marketing down to, Oh, I'm a human asking another human to buy this (laughs) thing that will make their life better. It makes it like fun and easy as opposed to like, I need more clicks. I need more conversions. Nobody's engaging and acting like people are like inanimate objects. It's like, no, it's a human being. And if the human being isn't engaging or clicking or something, then something's missing from what you're doing, right? It's not like um, an algorithm where you can say like, when I do these things, this person will do this when you're marketing, though I'm sure somebody will make it one and and, and has. But to me, it's just, okay, there's a human element to this, right? There's a human component. And how can I be engaging? And how can I connect with people? And how can I build relationships? It's really like making it simple because I think that's where I get lost. I have my master's in marketing and I love watching all the trends and seeing all of the things. But then when I sit and think about the algorithms and the blah, 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 I'm like, oh, But when you think about making it just about a relationship, that really makes it easy. Like take it from the bottom and work up. Yeah. Who am I looking to work with? Right. And then don't worry about the algorithms and all of that. I love that. 
I, cause I am a sparkly unicorn. Like I used to work with this coach who was like, put on your sparkly leotard. And I was like, yes, I am wearing my sparkly leotard. Like my little inner kiddo, she wears a sparkly leotard. I should be wearing a sparkly leotard every day. I now want to go buy a sparkly leotard. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like, Amazon, stay away from my phone. Right. <laughs> oh, you'll, we'll It'll see be it. showing up today. Later. You know, <laughs> retargeting, right? Telling us that we all need sparkly leotards. We'll put a link to one in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> and you know I will. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, who who do you work with? to help them get to that point where it's like, it's not scary. Yeah. Yeah. You know, most of the people I work with are entrepreneurs, primarily women, but they're people who have, you know, financial planning businesses, or they're a consultant or a coach or a creative or a doctor. Like they're, they're selling their knowledge or experiences and expertise. And a big part of that is, relationship based. You know what I mean? Like there are going to be a lot of other financial planners or doctors or lawyers or coaches out there. But at the end of the day, somebody's going to choose you over somebody else because they one believe that you can solve their problem. You know, at the end of the day, like they have to believe that you can help them because they can think you're a magical sparkly unicorn. But if you can't help them, they'll be like, let's be friends. I'm never paying you any money though. Right. (laughs) Very true. So they have to believe that you can help them. And then once they also believe that you can help them, they have to want to work with you and have you in their circle and in their network. You know, I think people's level for wanting to have people that are really good at their job, but kind of a jerk, like people don't really want that. Right. Mm, And so I think more and more the people I work with, they, they range from oh, I have an established business. I've been in business for a while, but I'm just not seeing the consistency that I want from whether it's a revenue perspective or a a lead generation perspective. Or I've had people who are like, hey, I am new to this business venture. You know, maybe they had, I have somebody who's had a completely different business model and a completely different business. Maybe they had a brick and mortar business or, you know, a different type of service-based business, but they're now bringing it online. And so I've worked with kind of folks, you know, I've started off working with people who are just getting started. So I've I've worked with folks from that capacity and standpoint as well. But I think in terms of how do I make it help them realize it's simple, it's that, you know, I can geek out over all the new things that happen in marketing and all the articles and different ways that people build funnels and all this other stuff. But I can geek out over that because I'm in the business of marketing and I like knowing and I find it interesting. The average business person Mm. doesn't need 90% of what is out there and what's possible for them, right? Like when you look at their, how many clients and customers they have capacity for and what they really want, it's usually a number in a certain period of time that is attainable without having 5,000 complicated funnels Mm. and 52 billion offers and all this other stuff. Like it's usually unnecessary. So what I really like to work with people on is like, okay, let's break this down to what your actual goals are and what your version of success is, not what is marketed to you that makes you think it's your version of success. And then let's reverse engineer that because it's probably going to be significantly less complicated than anything that you've built or that anybody has told you that you need. Yeah, because I mean, how many people have we run across uh, anyone listening? It's like people give up so quickly because they're like, well, 
I'm not consistent enough. Or Sally told me I need to do 17 posts a day. I need to be on this platform. I need to be putting people into 17 funnels. I need to do this. I need to do a webinar, but I also need to do a retreat. And it's and then they give up because they feel like they're not doing what they're supposed to do. And like you said, it might that might not be all that that might not be what you need to do. Maybe you need to just post once, like yeah. just because you can only take three clients a year, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's like there's always gonna be a new platform and a new thing, and there's always gonna be a person that's like I've made $5 billion using reels and somebody saying like, I've made five gajillion dollars using webinars or live launching or all these other things. And that's great and true for them. Right. But Mm -hmm. you don't need to do all of those things to reach your financial goals or, or even build the lifestyle that you want. Right. Mm -hmm. Like you just need to find the way that you're going to get in front of clients and connect with them. That's right for you. And Typically I tell people there's like three ways to get in front of your audience. And I call it OPP because I love musical references. So if you guys are down with OPP, you will Yeah, you know it. me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's organic, paid, and partner, right? And so you can either do organic marketing, which if it's online, it's typically social media, typically, not always, but it's typically social media. It could also be if you're in person, like going to networking events in your local town, right? Or, mm-hmm. or organically meeting people, right? Mm-hmm. Or you can pay to play. You can run ads, you can sponsor events. Um, you can do things along those lines because you're paying to get in front of your target audience. Or you can partner with other people who have that audience for you and bring you on to get in front of them, right? And so that could be speaking on stages, that could be building strategic partnerships or referral partnerships where maybe they help the same person, but before they would ever need you. And so they help them. And then they say, this is who you'll need next. Or maybe they're after you and they go, oh, you're reaching out to me, but actually you're not ready for me. You need to speak to this person Mm. first. Right. And Mm -hmm. so if you can figure out how many people you actually need and choose one of those ways, especially at the beginning, or until you've got one dialed in and figured out to get clients and customers, then focus on that. Right. And then test and validate it. And when I say organic, I don't mean you show up to like 5,000 different, you know, events in a year or be present on like 10 different social media platforms. I'm like, choose one that you're going to go all in on, create a hypothesis, do the work and see if it works and tweak it along the way. And I think so many people get overwhelmed and to Kelly's point, kind of like stop because they've tried to do all of the things. And it's like, Are, you don't need to do all of the things and are any of the things that you're doing, even the right things to be doing. And if you can take a step back and look at that first, you're more likely to make better decisions for you and your business. So very true. Now, I saw that you reference marketing sort of like dating. Yeah. <laughs> She's Tell like, me more. It is like dating, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I used to teach these digital marketing courses in New York City, and I would teach essentially the concept of marketing funnels and and things like that. And people often needed, uh, if it was a brand new concept, an analogy. And I don't know where this came from, but one day I was like, you know what? It's just like, it's just like dating. And it's just like my dating life in my early twenties. And so I'm going (laughs) to tell you guys what it, what I said, but it's just become a thing that I've used as this analogy. And I'm like, oh, this is so great. So it's like in my book, I teach workshops like this. I've made it its own like trademarkable 
or uh, I don't even know if that's a word. I'm making up words. It but is like, now. Trade- it, it is, is now. now. I'm trademarking trademarkable. Um, it's like <laughs> it's a trademarkable phrase. But like this, just like dating philosophy or method is really that there are certain phases of dating which are mirrored in marketing. And it's like you start for me when I'm I'm still single, but or I'm single again. I'm single. <laughs> We're still single. Who knows? At least in my early 20s, what I would do is my friends and I, we'd pick a place that we were going to go out because we're like, our potential mate is there, right? And then we'd get all dolled up so that we can show up and hopefully captivate somebody's attention by like looking great and maybe smiling or bumping into someone or sparking a conversation. And then once we were actually conversing, at least for me in the back of my head was like, dude, when are you going to ask me for my number? Like that's, I was like, can we exchange contact information or something? And then once we exchanged contact information, it was like, all right, we got to go on the first date. And the goal of the first date is the second date and so forth until you decide, as my grandmother used to say, that you're going to piss or get off the pot. Like you're either dating (laughs) or you're not right. And then you kind of, at some point they like it, then somebody will put a ring on it. Right. And the same thing is true in marketing. And you start by going, okay, well, who is my ideal client or customer, right? Who's that potential mate you're looking for? Where the heck are they hanging out? Are they at a specific bar metaphorically? Mm -hmm. You know, like thinking about OPP, like which one of these methods am I going to use? Okay, great. Now, how can I show up in such a way that I capture their attention? I stop them from scrolling. I spark a conversation, right? And then you're like, great, we're conversing. All right, we got to gotta exchange contact information. What can I give you or do such that you're going to give me your contact information? Okay, I got your contact information. How can we go on a first date so that, you know, we're really getting to know each other? And then what's the second date and so forth? However many dates you think you need based off of what you're selling to then have somebody say yes or no to your offer. And when you think about like, oh, well, what if I were just trying to metaphorically date my clients and customers, what kind of experience would I want to create for them and for myself so that we knew if we were right for each other, it's just like a more fun and different approach than saying like, I need to write five emails and put them in a sequence. Like, okay, well I can do that, but my five emails, maybe it is emails. Maybe it's not emails is the, the, the thing that you know, people need. And I feel like somewhere along the line, you know, funnels became a lead magnet and an email sequence and funnels in marketing. Like, you know, when I was learning marketing funnels, it was, how do I take somebody from stranger to customer? And that pathway could look a million different ways. And so I like using the dating analogy because for some people, it may be, you know, offering a lead magnet and emails, but for other people, it may not be. And so just helping people realize that there's more than one way to attract a mate dating analogy. That's really good because you really do break it down. Like it is like, what what bar are they hanging out at? Like, what do they look like? What, you know, what are they interested in? And are we, are they going to give me their contact information? Okay. Now I have your contact information. Let me warm you up. Now are we going to go out on a date? Blah, blah, blah. So that That really makes it. And that leads me to what I was going to ask you about, which is if you and your girls all go out to the bar, you're not going to be dressed exactly alike. Meaning like, don't, right. Don't do exactly what Bobby Sue is doing because she might. (laughs) Because Bobby Sue and you may not really want the same person. Right. Right. 
And Bobby Sue, you may bring something different than Bobby Sue. Bobby Sue's going to be pissed that she's not getting any dates when she's listening to this podcast episode. <laughs> Whoever Bobby Sue is, we'll be sorry, Bobby some Sue. Calls. Sorry, Bobby. Millie Joe is going to get a diff- completely different dynamic than Bobby Sue. It's yeah. true, though, right? Yeah. Just because you are showing up different, right? I would assume this is what you're, how you feel is just because you show up different than I do or that Melissa does doesn't mean that you're doing it wrong. You're doing it right for your people who you're trying to attract. Well, because we all attract different things. A hundred percent. And, and if you, you know, metaphorically completely change yourself to meet someone, are you going to be able to keep that going for the rest of your life? Probably not because you'll, you'll naturally come out of it. And so you don't want to like bait and switch because then you'll wonder, Hey, why is nobody actually buying? They, they connected with me, but then they left. Yeah. Because they you saw weren't the real you. Yeah. Cause you weren't showing up as your real self, right? Show up as your real self. And some right. people won't like it. That's cool. Exactly. But there will be people who do. That's great. Mm-hmm. We just saw this same thing play out on Real Housewives of New York when Sonia went out on a date with some guy that she thought was cute that she saw her on the app. And when she showed up, she's like, I don't know when his picture was from, but he doesn't look like that anymore. You Very know what true. I mean? So, yeah. Don't catfish people. All right. All right. Don't catfish them. That never works for anyone. Because it will. Catch they up will figure that. it out. You know, mm-hmm. they'll figure it out when you are showing yourself as a certain way. And you're like, I can do this. I can do that. I can do this for you. And then you show up and you can do none of that. So I like these analogies. I love marketing is like dating. It's wonderful. Any tips on how to get clear on your message for people that might be listening? Oh, yeah. Thinking, okay, you want me to show up differently than Bobby Sue, but how the hell do I do that? Yeah. Like the first thing I want to say about messaging is that most people and myself included at one point felt this way. I thought it was like, I'm going to come up with my message and that's my message, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and then you spend 50 billion hours trying to come up with your message. You you almost feel paralyzed because you didn't figure out your message and then you don't do anything. Right. (laughs) And, (laughs) And it's like messaging is like, I'd like to say it's evolving process. There's some evolution in messaging, right? Yes. And so what I encourage people to do is to start by figuring out, okay, what is it that I can specifically help somebody with and get as specific as possible? Like what can you right now literally help people with? Because you've either done it yourself or you've helped other people with it. Like you have some sort of evidence that you can help people with this and start there. Right. Mm. And tell people that you can help them with that. Like, you know, sometimes I think the more specific, simplest message is the best message, especially when you're starting and it can evolve from there. But I think sometimes people are like, oh, I know I want you to live the laptop lifestyle. I'm making this up, right? What the heck does that mean? Like what specifically (laughs) can you help me with? Right? Like, and so I think so often, and I fall into this, people get some sort of success when you're messaging kind of like idealistic things that are really broad and wide, but sooner or later people will go, but I actually don't know what you can help me with. And, or what they thought they're going to get from you is actually something completely different. And then you're not getting powerful testimonials or case studies or reviews because people are pissed off because you bait and switch them, even though it was unintentional. Right. Right. Absolutely. So Yeah. Like I encourage people who are like, what's my message? It's like, okay, well, what can you help people with? What do you stand for? Like what makes you different? And if you have a unique way of doing it, just share those things 
and just test it out. Like, see what it feels like to say, hey, I am the dentist that specializes in adults whose teeth shift and is no longer straight. I don't even know if that's a thing, but like, let's pretend that's a thing. And that's your specialty, right? I feel that way because my teeth have shifted and I am like, I need to find a dentist who will help me as an adult with my shifting teeth, right? And I have braces for 10 years and they still... Yeah. Oh, it's just like, hello. Why can't they just stay where I want them to stay? Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, get specific, tell people what you can help them with. And then as you do more and you help more people, what's going to be interesting is oftentimes your clients and customers are probably going to be the best people to tell, like what you keep hearing from them over and over again, suddenly becomes your message, but you can't get there until you actually start working with people. So it's like, Keep it super simple. Keep it very clear. Keep it very specific. It's okay to not sound like anybody else. And it's okay to not make it super like broad and aspirational. If you're just like, I can help you balance your checkbook. Mm -hmm. All right. Tell people you can help them balance their checkbook, right? Like just be really clear and specific. Yeah. Because that might be all I need. I just need to balance my checkbook. Oh, look. Checkbook. I know, right? <laughs> you know what it is? <laughs> I was like, I said that and I was like, I haven't balanced the checkbook since I was probably like 15 or something. Mm. I like don't, I barely have cash or checks, but Hey, there is a special person out there who is pure magic, who has a checkbook agreed, and needs help balancing it. Yes. Yeah. And Maybe Melissa, just, that person. And Melissa just called us both out on it. She's <laughs> right? like checkbook, checkbook. Well, even, I mean, even bank account, like balance a bank account. that that is a unicorn who does that i do i now have like a special cash flow statement or like template that i do so that it always matches what's in my bank account because i'm like the queen of like oh let me just buy this real quick and then i'm like wait i thought i had more money in here (laughs) it's like let me make that balance Yeah. yeah So every week I now have like money dates with myself and I'm like, all right, Nick, like every time you spend something, let's record this so that you know where the heck your money went. So later you're not like, I should have more money and then get like mad at somebody like they stole it. No, you spent it. You stole your own money. money. Exactly. (laughs) That's great. Uh, I steal my own money all the time. Yep. (laughs) Where did it all go? All right. Well, anyways, I want to know all about your book. Yeah. All of the things. Yes. All of the things. How far back should I go? Where should we begin with this book, baby? 19. I was born on a warm summer day (laughs) with aspirations of authorship. How did it, how was this born? Like, let's talk about it. So I distinctly remember, and I think it was 2017. I feel like it was signing up for this. No, it was, yeah, it was either 2017 or 2018 because it was like the end of the year. So it could have, it was one yeah. of those, but I remember signing up for Brennan Burchard's high performance Academy. Mm-hmm. It's an online course. And I promise you guys, I watched one video of this course and it was the best thing that's ever happened to me. Like I did not complete the course. I know nothing about what's in the course, except for this one video that I watched that might've even been in like the orientation materials, but it was like, (laughs) it was on the landing page. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It was was a free YouTube video that I watched that got me to buy the course that this is what I got from it. No, but (laughs) Brennan was talking about your 
calendar. And he was saying that he should be able to tell like what your goals and priorities are purely by looking at your calendar. And if there, if he can't tell by looking at your calendar, then they're not going to happen is essentially what he said. He probably said it in nicer words than my inside, my head voice did, but my inside, my head voice said, Nick, you are never writing a book unless, because if you look at your calendar, there's nothing there. And I've wanted to write a book since I was basically 10. Like I used to write poetry as a kid. I've always wanted to write a book. I just never knew what it was going to be about. And it used to be like, I'll publish a book when I graduate high school. I'll publish a book when I graduate college. I'll publish a book when I turn 25. I'll publish a book when I turn 30. I'll publish a book when I turn 35. I was like, Nick, this book is never coming out. Right. And so I watched this video and I'm like, I'm, I'm writing a book. Like it's no longer on my bucket list. Like it's going to be on my calendar. And Brenda Bouchard can look at my calendar and say, Nikki Nash is working on a book. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I knew that I loved Hay House, just like I've read so many of books that they've published, including ones that were by Brendan Bouchard and a number of other authors. And so I just started doing what I guess everybody does when they need a question answered. And they're like, Google, tell me how to get a Hay House book deal, obviously. And which you'd be surprised how little information is on the internet about (laughs) Google. (laughs) But I like so many things happened. I found an article from a blog that I, to this day, don't know how I found it and can't find it again. Really? Uh, Yeah. I'm just like the universe. I guess I had decided and the universe was like, I shall help you here. Mm -hmm. And I found this article from this woman who was like, how I got my Hay House book deal. And she had attended at the time Hay House was doing these in-person writers workshops and their events. And you attend the event and they allow people who attend the event to submit a book proposal without having an agent. And it's the only way that you can typically like, especially at that time, submit a book proposal to Hay House without going through an agent and all that jazz, right? So I was like, I'm going to the Hay House Writers Workshop. So I I looked it up. There was one happening in Vegas, I think in November, December, October, somewhere like Q4 of 2018. And I was like, I'm going to that, right? And then I started just things started happening. I just kept meeting people who had book deals and I would ask them a million questions and they're like, Oh, well you need like five, like 50,000 followers on social media and a huge email list and all this other stuff just for an agent to want to talk to you. And then you get the agent and then the agent, you have to write a book proposal and then the agent ships out your book proposal. And I was just like, I'm not doing that. I was like, I'm getting a book deal and I'm not doing that. And people are like, no, but you have to do this. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Watch me watch me. Yeah, no, literally. I'm like, okay, I'm doing this my own way. And so after uh, speaking to everybody and their mother about like the proper way to do it, the Hay House Writers Workshop came up and I don't know what the heck I said at the mic, but people laughed. They clapped. I'm pretty confident I was asking a question, but I guess I told a story (laughs) first. And (laughs) the head of the editorial department from Hay House gave me her card. And I was like, I love you. And so I, she and I just had a conversation and she talked to me about like, asked me if I had any questions about book proposals and writing a book. And she asked me to make sure that I submitted through their process without, you know, an agent since I attended the event. And I promised her, I said I would. And then I had a complete mindset game with myself for like months and the deadline was coming up to like, cause it's not like you can just submit without an agent, like anytime, like they give you a date, like on this date, by this date, you have to submit, we're going to review and we choose one person. And I was like, okay, 48 hours before the deadline, Oof. Nikki had nothing. 
wrote my entire book proposal in 48 hours. This is when my wow. like college career background really came in handy because I yep. wrote a ridiculous amount of papers in a short period of time. <laughs> but this is like really ridiculous because I'm pretty sure this thing was like 20, 30 pages. And I'm like looking up. I, I bought your big, beautiful book plan, I think mm. is what it's called. I bought that. I was looking at Kelly Notorious has a book called The Book You Were Born to Write. I was looking at that. I was looking at like, literally, I, I grabbed every book off of my bookshelf and was like looking at the book and then writing down like, okay, how, how is this book structured? How should I outline my book? Because mm-hmm. a book proposal is essentially a business plan for your book. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, who's the book for? So you have to do target market research. Luckily, I had a business. So I'm like, a lot right. of this like came from my business, but it's like, who's the book for? What's the book about? What is the competitor? Like, who are the competitors? Like the competitive books out there? How are you going to market this thing? What's in the book? So I had to have an outline, sample chapters. I was like, you're like a crazy person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally did not sleep, turned into a zombie, hit submit, was like my poor sister. I was like, hey, Ash, I need you to read this thing that I just wrote and check it for grammatical errors. So she's like reading this thing that I wrote like the day it's due. I'm like, hey, can you read 30 pages for me? Thanks. And then I hit submit and, you know, left it to the universe. And months later, like months and months later, Reed Tracy, who's the CEO of Hay House, called me and said, hey, we're publishing your book. I mean, he didn't say it just like that, but that's how I heard it. And I literally was like, muted myself. Well, first I was like, (laughs) I am so glad to be a part of the Hay House family. And then I muted myself and screamed and like ran around outside like a crazy person. And, um, he was talking, don't know what he said. And then I said something back that I was hoping matched what he actually just said, because I was too busy screaming (laughs) to actually hear what he said. (laughs) And I was just like, ah, and then, you know, I had to write the darn thing, which is a whole nother adventure. Yep. That's incredible. Such an exciting story. You were the one person chosen from that experience. Yeah, it was crazy. So crazy. And there were so many people. And it's funny because I, when I did the NYU Summer Publishing Institute and I like got that, my first gig at InStyle, I distinctly remember this guy. He worked at Condé Nast, which owns like Vogue and, you know, Harper's Bazaar and a lot of big magazines. And I had gotten a job offer there too. But, and the guy who came to speak on the company's behalf or one of the people who came to speak said, you know, every year I tell people to send me an email with the resume and that I will forward it to the HR department. And he's like C-suite status, right? Like he's up, like if he, if he hands somebody your resume, they're calling you. Okay. He's like, every year I tell people and every year nobody emails me. And I was like, well, F that I'm emailing you. Right. And I feel the same way about like opportunities for so many people like at Hay House, they were like only X percentage of you. I forget if it was like 50% or something will like submit a book proposal. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, guys, that's a mindset thing. Because Mm -hmm. if you like, you know what I mean? Like if, unless you were there and you really were genuinely about like, I just wanted to know how to write a book proposal, but like, no, my butt was there because it was the one way that I could submit without having an agent. So that's why I showed up in that room. And I would have done myself a huge disservice if I didn't submit the book proposal, even though, you know, I did a 48 hour crazy person thing, which I don't recommend, but if you get yourself to that point, it is technically doable. Yes. Yeah. And you could have easily said that's too much. I don't, I'm not going to Vegas or wherever it was, or I'm not doing this. I'll never go. Yeah. Like you could never get in. They're not going to pick me. 
you know, you did it. One in however many hundred or a thousand of people, but you did it. And that's incredible. Yeah. And my mindset the whole time was like, I won this. Like, I'm pretty sure at the mic, one of the things I said was, I can't wait for you to publish my book. Like I was a crazy person who says this stuff me, because in my mind at that moment, I was so confident in what I was doing. And, and I think when you have that, like, kind of like, I don't know, like blind belief in what you're doing, like everything aligns. And I tell people all the time, you know, people are like, I want the marketing plan. I want like the thing. And I was like, listen, if you don't have the mindset to believe that you just came up with the greatest plan on the face of the earth, it's not going to work for you because you're not going to commit to it. You're not going to do the things like spend 48 hours, not sleeping to write a book proposal because you promised yourself (laughs) you were going to do it. Right. Right. (laughs) You have to go into that believing blindly that everything is going to work out for you because I really think it is. Mm -hmm. And even if I didn't get that book deal from Hay House, I still would have published this book. Right. And it gave me the kick in the pants I needed to put a plan together because I don't know when I would have ever done it. Had I not had a deadline, you did it in 48 hours. Like imagine what you could have done. Right. (laughs) It would have been so great if I, if I didn't, if I took the time. And when I tell you, I can do the math. It was like, something like I had like six months or something crazy. Like I had so much time and I'm like, well, you know, I spent all that time mentally getting myself prepared for writing. Yeah. Was not ready. That's Uh, the garbage we put ourselves through. Yep. Truly. (sighs) We really do. Yeah. So what's the book about? What can we expect? Yeah. So the book is called market your genius and it is literally like a my guide to taking your experiences and your expertise and your magic and turning it into a profitable business such that you're like getting specifically through the lens of marketing. So we talk a lot about like, how do you generate a consistent flow of leads? How do you get more dream clients? How do you turn those clients into raving fans that not only tell everybody and their mother about you, but you know, become your best success stories and testimonials? How do you build referral partners? how do you get clients to keep buying from you? That's, that's mm-hmm. the, the bulk of what's in this book. And, you know, we dive more into the, just like dating method and, and OPP and things along those lines where it's really like, Hey guys, it's fun. It's exciting. It's a magical approach to marketing, but it's really like, if you are in the business of, you know, marketing your services or, you know, your product, your, your business baby, how do you do it in such a way that works for you? How do you build a game plan that works for you and then validate that game plan. Mm. And so that's the real like outcome of this book is that you read it. And you, if you do the work, you're like, man, I got a game plan and I'm going to, I'm going to go out and implement it. That's awesome. We'll become expertpreneurs. Yeah. This is just launching. Like you are right on the cusp of it going out into the world. You must be, your brain must be like all over the place right now. Like excited petrified what's happening (laughs) i am mostly excited and zen because one of the things i realized about writing a book and this is actually my new philosophy around business and mind you when i say new i mean like real new like i went to florida for two and a half weeks came back and was like this is my new philosophy (laughs) (laughs) but there's so much like there's a launch culture that has come out of you know building businesses and you're 
launching things and like you got to build up all this hype and get all these people. And then I think somewhere along the lines, people forgot that like you don't just launch something once and then it's magic and then you never have to do anything again. Right. Like promoting this book is like it's a product for life. That's Mm -hmm. one of the beautiful things about a book with especially with a publisher is that like this thing will exist like it's Mm -hmm. out there. I have to market it essentially till I die and maybe even afterwards somehow. And so it really changed my philosophy around like, I'm super pumped. We have launch week, like there's exciting things happening, but like when somebody's like, Oh, I can't go live with you or bring you into my community during launch week is another time. Okay. I'm like, heck yeah, because I'll be promoting and marketing this thing forever. I die. Yeah. Till I die. Right. So I've just had this Zen approach where I'm like, whatever happens during launch happens and that's cool, but I'll be marketing this thing the day after launch, the day, like during launch, after launch, before launch for all eternity. So there's no point in stressing about it because I have multiple opportunities to hit whatever goals that I set for the book. Yeah. And you'll even be launching, launching this book when you launch your next book, because it'll be like the sequel to the first book and blah, blah, blah. A hundred percent. It'll be a whole nother reason to talk about the book. It's like, right. oh, but you didn't and read then, the first one. And then you'll have to have the revised version, right? right. In 10 years. The 10 year edition. Yep. yep. It's true though. I mean, typical launch, like a podcast launch or a program launch, it's, it's done. And then you're like, phew, that was great. That was a great launch. We did it. Yay. Celebrate, pop the, the corks or whatever, but the book, yeah, a book you're it's tangible. It's out there. It's, it's out there forever. It's like no pressure, no pressure, no pressure. And no real talk. Like you can even like free launch a podcast. Like, Oh, we got a new cover up. We like, you know, (laughs) It's our hundredth episode. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like, if you just think of all the different reasons you have to get really excited and talk about something like that's, that's exciting. And that's you bringing it out into the world. And I laughed when you said like 10th edition or something, because Jeff Walker, who wrote the book launch, launch. talks about launching, just did a new edition of launch, (laughs) which I just got. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm like, I, I have the old, old version. But now I'm going to read the newest version because, yeah, yeah, you have to relaunch launch. So, you know, everything changes. So in your 10th edition, you'll have a whole new batch of info. Yeah, Yeah. I'll have to. There'll be a new way of dating that I'll have to, like, adjust the analogy for. OPP OPP might be so far gone. (laughs) (laughs) We have to come I'll have to find an artist to come up with a song that go has uh, OPP in it, just so that people are like, "Oh, that song!" I'm like, yeah, that's obviously what I meant. Yeah. This yeah. new song, mm-hmm. I know, cutting edge, naughty cutting by edge. who? Naughty what? by who? Exactly, Oop. naughty by who? <laughs> oh God, um, so, old. so people, where can they when this launches? Because when this, like I said, when this episode comes out, it's a week after launch. Where can people get the book? Yes. So you can get it wherever books are sold. So you can go to Target, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, your local bookstore. If your local bookstore doesn't have it, just be like, why don't you have it? And can you get it? Because like they have the ability to buy it. And I'm like, yo, I want to support local bookstores, local bookstores, sell my book. I love you. Right? Yeah. (laughs) Now, I've seen this happen recently that people that are releasing books are kind of sneaking into bookshops and signing a bunch of copies. Are we going to see you late night going out and signing some? So, yes. But can I tell you the strategic reason why it's smart to sign copies of your book in a bookstore? Yes. Because the bookstore can't return them. (laughs) 
So really? like, yeah, they can't send them back to the publisher if the author signed them. So what they they'll do is they may discount it or something, but they'll do whatever it takes to, to sell, sell that book because they can't give it back. Send, you know what? You don't even have to send me a Sharpie. I'll just go in and start signing them <laughs> everywhere around. <laughs> that's pretty smart, Our local though. target. Yeah. And that's <laughs> awesome for like for fans and for people that want to get the books. It's like, oh, she signed it. Or, you know, it's like a little surprise inside. So that's yeah. pretty cool. No, I will. Anytime I travel, if the book is out, actually, I'll do that. I'm going to Delaware right after the book launches. I'll just go around signing books. I'll go up to Boston. I'll sign some books. I'll just go everywhere. I'll just be yep. like, come on, Dick. Yeah. Come on, Porter Square. You'll be in Porter Square yeah. in the old haunt, you know? <laughs> Why not? Oh, Stop welcome and grow. You. Oh. You. It hasn't changed a bit. So no. whether for good or for worse, it yeah. is the same old Boston. <laughs> I just have know? to tell you guys, because I feel like you'll appreciate this. But do you remember? I think it was 2014. 2015 when Boston had like the worst winter ever where it snowed every Sunday. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the that worst. was my first winter in Boston living there. Right. But it was, it was like, <laughs> we would try to walk to the local corner store, which luckily was open because I think the owners lived above it. And we would pass these big things and we'd be like, I wonder if there's a car under there because there's so much snow. You can't tell <laughs> if it's a car probably under there. People yeah. just gave up. They're like, yeah. I'm not shoveling my car out. I'm like, I hope your windshield's okay. Cause it was like heavy pack yeah. of snow. It was crazy. So That's seven feet. Yeah. Window. And that was from like end of January to end of February. It wasn't even like over six months it yeah, was no. like over six weeks. It yep. was insane. Every week it was like massive snowstorm. The first time it happened, I was like, okay, all right. The second time they said it was coming. I'm like, there's no way. Do you know how much snow we just got? The fourth time it happened. I'm like, yeah, I guess it's happening. It's already happened three times already. And then the sixth time you're like, I want to kill someone. Like when will this stop? Oh, yeah. that was the worst. The worst. It was so here. It lasted to like, like August. Yeah. It yeah. was like there's still snow on the ground. It was gross. <laughs> Welcome to Boston. Welcome. And it was the first year we lived in the snow belt. So because we're from like south of Boston, it doesn't snow as much, but like in the 495 belt of Massachusetts, it's snow heaven. Lots of snow. 111 inches in our town. Oh our my city. goodness. Gross. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. But no snow below. Awesome. I digress. Anyhow. Yeah. So a fun so fact for people. <laughs> Yes. Come visit us anytime. Come to Massachusetts in January. You'll it's love beautiful. it. Beautiful. It's beautiful. If people are waiting for their book because they've ordered online or their bookstore is not open, I know you have a free gift for people. Yeah. Tell us. So if you head to freemarketingbootcamp.com, you will not only get um, because I'm actually by the time this airs, I'm updating the page. So stay tuned. But you will not only get like a, a free marketing bootcamp as promised, which is me like, Hey guys, if you need a quick and dirty, like I need to create a marketing plan and I need Nikki to teach me this bootcamp style, you will get that for free, but I'll also have some other magic on the page. And if you're like, Hey, where should I buy the book? You can also easily on that page, click and, and grab a copy. So it'll be a magical page where all of your dreams can come true. We love magic stickers and unicorns. Yes. <laughs> and where can people find you? Like, where do you hang out the most? I am obsessed These with days. like two places. So I'm usually on Instagram and LinkedIn. 
LinkedIn because I'm like trying to figure I'm like, it's a, a new, an oldie old, yeah. like getting a throwback up in here. Like I yep. remember LinkedIn back in the day and I'm like, Oh, I'll give it a go. And so I'm, I'm on both places, but you can DM me on LinkedIn or Instagram. I'm also check DMS on Facebook, but I, I love DMing people because I leave voice memos. So if you message me, I will voice memo you back. Sweet. Fantastic. I love it. It's the personal touch. With it is. Nash. I like voice messages as well. It's yes. easier, I think. It's easier. Yeah. Like, so this is what's amazing. People think sometimes that I'm like, oh, you're just doing the personal touch or you're doing this because I like voice memos and oftentimes I wear dresses. And I'm like, no, I wear a dress because then I don't have to figure out a top and a bottom. So I just need to throw <laughs> the thing over my head. It's pure convenience. And I leave voice memos because it'll take me 30 times longer to text you back or write an email. So like I'll leave voice memos or I'll record a video and send it back to people because it's faster for me. I'm like an external processor or something. Like it's just faster. Yes. So yes, personal and yes. easier and convenient. Winning. Yes. So personal, but so easy. Well, listen, I thoroughly loved this episode. I think we had more fun than we should have on a Monday. Thank you so much for joining us and best of luck with the ongoing book launch. Um, you'll be in the throes of the first part of it by the time this, this launches. So, um, I might have to send you my copies for an autograph. Yeah. Yep. Oh my gosh. I'll like, I, I will gladly sign copies. I love everything about it. I'll have to let you guys know when I make a Boston trip. Yes, please. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We'll, we'll that post the great. world tour once you craft it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> It'll happen. World domination. But yes, definitely. In the meantime, follow her, go find her NikkiNash.co. Don't be surprised, you know, don't be going to the wrong place, people. Get to the yes. right place. There is another Nikki Nash who has NikkiNash.com. So if you go there, you'll be very confused because she yep. does art. And then she also published a book, which I didn't know she did. And so if you search Nikki Nash, you have to make book, sure. Because yeah. <laughs> market your genius. If you're just like Nikki Nash, it's a bright pink book. If the book is not bright pink, that is not the book that you want. It's not the right Nikki Nash. Um, she wrote a fiction book. And I remember I had a client who's like, I bought your book and read it. I was like, well, that's impossible because it hasn't come out yet. And I was like, oh, that's not my book. She's like, I was very confused because it's like, I, it's not, it's not anything I ever talk about. She's like, I was very confused. So I was like, that's because it's not me, but thank you for support. Thank you for the support. Thank you. Nikki Groom Jr. Thanks you for your, your support. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right well thank you so much and uh to our listeners join us next week who knows what will happen might not be as fun as this episode but you know we can't can't blame anyone for that except ourselves so everyone have a great day visit us in our facebook group the business managers podcast we'll put all of the information about the book where you can find it all of her links and the link to the freebie as well so everybody have a great day Thank you so much. Thank and you. Visit us in the winter. It's beautiful here in Boston. <laughs> we'll see you next week, everybody. Bye. Did you enjoy today's episode? If you did, help us grow with a follow, rate, and review. Check us out online at MergioEnterprises.com and on Facebook and Instagram at Mergio Enterprises. See you next week and tell your friends. <laughs>